Say, I believe it. If you're looking for a title of this message this morning, I'd encourage you to write it. It's, it's just the title of my message, Lord, great is my stubbornness. But greater still is your faithfulness. How many say that sometimes you've been stubborn? Come on. You know, sometimes when you look at a picture of yourself, you see a donkey's head instead of yours. You know you're really stubborn. But, uh, but the thing is, that what I want to do is I want to take you through one chapter in the book of the, in the, book of the Bible. And it's a book of, it's, it's actually Jonah. And many of you have heard the story about Jonah. But you turn with me to Jonah chapter 1. And, and in my Bible, it's in page 1476. And so I don't know what page is on your Bible, but the book of Jonah is unique record of Jonah's, not just his ministry, not just his ministry, but rather God's dealing with him. How many know God deals with all of us? And see, he may have been a moral coward, but I know this, but it must have cost him a lot to write. You imagine he was a moral coward, but it took, how many, how many of they took a little humility to write a story about yourself? Because there's only one person who can write this story. And that's Jonah himself, of what God did in his life and what God spoke to him and what God showed him. So, uh, you know, Jonah in the book, in the story, is an Old Testament example, really, of a great New Testament truth. And really the truth is God so loved the world that he gave. And see, Jonah 1, if you would just turn with me, Jonah 1, 1, it said, The Lord gave this message to Jonah. In some words, God didn't give him some small idea or some small little word. God spoke to him. Imagine God speak. How many of you ever heard God speak to you? I know I've had one girl one time. She said, man, I'm hearing voices. I'm hearing voices in my head. I mean, they talk to me. And I said, I know what you're talking about. I hear voices too. How many of you hear voices in the morning? Come on. You look in the mirror. Oh, me. Oh, my. You better pass it on by, you know what I mean? There's some of us, we hear voices are, no, you can't do that. You can't overcome. You'll always be this way. You're just a barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Delcom Harbor. That's all you are. You hear all these different things, but the most important thing for us is that to hear the voice of God speak to us and say, no, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're an overcomer, you're going to make it, it's all going to be good. Amen? And see, but he goes on, and this is what God says in verse 2. He says, get up and go. Those are two key words, if you underline that in your Bible. To the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked the people are. So God issued an order that he must obey. And Nineveh, if you know anything, it was the capital of the Syrian Empire. It was like the population was about 120,000 people. It, it had... It would take three days to go around this great city if you walked around it. The Syrian kings were ruthless and cruel. The, the, uh, uh, this is what they would do. They would take people. Think about this. They would take people and skin people and put it around the walls of the city. In fact, they actually made furniture out of the skins of their enemies. Not only that. I mean, here's a city. They had 100-foot walls. They had 1,200 1200 towers that were 200 feet high. What intimidating city. This huge walls, all these towers and people's skins flapping in the wind. Come on. I mean, how would you like to go to that city? Okay? And and, and so what happens, here's... Here he is, and, and, and it's like the prophet Jonah wanted... He said, man, you know, I want God to destroy it because of its wickedness. But in Jonah's eyes... Nineveh deserved its punishment and not an opportunity to repent. What does the word repent mean? It's turn and see my wrong, hate my wrong, and go, you know what? I don't want to live this way anymore, so I'm going to turn. It's not a, I've heard people say it's a 360-degree turn. No, it's 180. I was a surveyor. I know. Okay? And 360 is like you just come right back where you started. But it's like you literally leave the point for where you were walking, and you walk the opposite way. And see, Jonah had to learn to obey God in three ways. And I want to share with you this morning those three ways. The first way, to turn aside from his popularity and his success at any cost, walking the path of surrender to God's word. How I many you know for all of us that times there comes a point in your life you've got to forsake popularity? Is, uh, 
going to, I went to Cathedral in Fatima. I got asked to leave and not come back to Cathedral. And then I went to Paul Bro and I went to Fatima and just a whole lot. Of, I got, I was, I was a frequent visitor at different schools in Lafayette. That's all I got to know. And I remember, um, I remember coming one time and, and it's like, actually when I finished, I was one of, I got junior class favorite, best well liked, funny, all those different kind of things. But, you know, it's like when I gave my life to Jesus, I remember going on the strip in Lafayette on McKinley. And that's where I used to hang out. And we'd go there because Fridays was dollar day for a shot. So we'd go to the French Quarter. It's not even there anymore. And so we'd go get our shot for a dollar, and we'd all had fake IDs. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. South Louisiana, when I was growing up, you could look over the counter, you could get a drink. Okay? We knew the places to go get them. Cast liquor store in Lafayette. Okay? And I remember we had all these places, and I remember going there one day. When I got saved... God really spoke to me. He said, I want you to go to McKinley, and I want you to tell people that I, you gave your life to me. And remember, I've only been saved a day. So I go to McKinley, and I'm telling my friends, hey, man. I see my friend George Bound. George, hey, man, I gave my life to Jesus. He goes, Bob, what does that mean? He said, does that mean you're not, like, chasing girls anymore? I said, I don't think I need that. He goes, you're not drinking anymore? I don't think I need that anymore. You're not going to hoochie-hoo? No, don't think I need that anymore. And he looks at me and goes, well, Bubba, you still duck hunt, don't you? <laughs> he was trying to find out what. I said, look, man. I said, I gave my life to Jesus. I think God let me duck hunt. But the most important thing, I've given my life to Jesus. I remember going to a restaurant. A guy used to help get drugs and stuff. His name was David Como, and he was at a Mexican restaurant. And I was walking in, and, and he saw me, and he goes, Bubba. He goes, man, man, you got some, oh, man, I got something better than that. Go, Dude, what you got? You got some, and I go, no, man, I got something better than that. He's going, Dude, I mean, literally, he's going, Dude, what you got? And I go, I go, man, I got Jesus. He went, oh, dude. So literally, I had to come to the point to say, I'm on God's team. I don't care what people think about me. I remember I went to uh, my, my 10-year class reunion. I had a girl there, and she goes, she goes, Baba, I heard that like you were like a, uh, um, uh, like a Jesus like uh, freak. She goes, yeah, that's it. You're a Jesus freak. And I said, well, that's right. I am. Whose freak are you? You know, the thing I've learned is that how many of you want to be on God's side? And sometimes you've got to learn to make a stand, even in difficult times. The second thing, you share in the compassion of God for people who are who were deadly enemies. That's like us in America. Right now, we have a hard time with people that would li- be from Iran. That would be like you and me or my, my grandfather's generation. God telling them, I want you to go to Berlin and tell Hitler and his gang, unless they repent. He's going to destroy the city of You wouldn't go. It would be like me going to Tehran, you know, Iran, okay? Go to the capital and I go to whatever the guy's name is, Benny Bob, whatever his name is. I don't know. And I, and I go there and I go, hey, man, God sent me here to repent. Not me to repent, you to repent. And all the Alatolas. And go, and that's what God said, your mama, unless you repent. Here's Jonah's faced with the thing. He's got to go to his mortal enemies and share this. The third thing is you got to take sides with God against sin, selfishness, and pride. You know the, the three things that we deal with in South Louisiana and small towns? is poverty is one. Pride is another. And another is prejudice. It's not the color of someone's skin. It's the class of who they are. What side of the Nipica are you from? Oh, yeah. No, no. We don't play with them people. Come on. How many of you are talking about? What side of the South Side are you from? Hmm. You see, this morning, we all have our Nineveh to which God calls us to go to. But likely, it may be your job. It may be that boss. It may be that person. It could be, you know, the school you go to, some of the students. But, you know, I've learned this. It, it's, 
It is the lesson, not the location that counts. God wants to speak to us. And it's sometimes we go, well, you know, it's the, loca- it's the lesson. It's not the location. A place where you need to bow before God and die to yourself. You know, Pastor, well, what does that mean? You know, I'm not, I don't want to speak in a lot of religious terms. I just want to speak real this morning to you. You know, God just wants you to be yourself. And sometimes self needs to die. You know, there's two darknesses that we all face. There's the darkness of not knowing what's on the other side. In circumstance. How many of you have those dark nights? Where you're going, man, what do I do? Where do I... I'm sure Jonah had a dark night. He was going, man, I... God's telling me, God spoke to me. He wants me to go to Nineveh. Oh, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I hate those people. I mean, you know, that Lord. He's having a dark night of the soul. Then there's the darkness of sin, which we hide. And it's because of sin, the results, what happens. You see... It's a place where we, we, we must align ourselves with God against selfishness, sin, pride, and prejudice and poverty. See, a place where all things we count precious but can't allow that to matter at all. See, look, verse 3. Here it is. Verse 3. I love this. You've heard me say this. I'll say it again. There's some good butts in the Bible and there's some bad butts in the Bible. It's just where you find your butt. All right? And it says this, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Let me ask you something. How many of you have ever done something stupid? How many of you have ever done something wrong you know you shouldn't have done, but no one knew about it, but you did it anyway? Come on. Come on. The Bible says sin brings pressure for a season. How long's a season? Short, just a little time. If sin wasn't fun, people wouldn't be doing it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all don't look at me like y'all religious. I know some of y'all used to shake the leg, baby. I saw you at Mulots. See, it's a place. See, but Jonah got up and went down. See, Jonah's response to the voice of God was run the opposite way. And many times when God calls us to himself, we feel ashamed. We feel like I'm not worthy. I can't do it. I can't face God because of my circumstances. And let me tell you, tell you something. You got to look beyond yourself. You see, Tarsus, he goes to Tarsus. It's the opposite way of Nineveh. I love what Psalms 139 says. I can never escape from your spirit. This is David. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the, the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Going on the verse three, he said, he went down. That's a good line. He went down, down, that word down. To the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarsus. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarsus. See, the devil has a convenient ship ready for any man or any woman that's running from God. Travel now, pay later. That's what the sign says. You see, when you run from God, he'll let you pick up your own tab. It's always going to cost you something to disobey the voice of God. How many of you talking about? It's real quiet in here. Either I'm doing good or y'all are just like bored. Okay, let me just say, we don't want this to be like the first. Well, I'm not going to go there. Anyway. You see, when Adam disobeyed, it cost him Eden. It cost him the garden. When Saul disobeyed, it cost him his kingdom and his kingship. When Ananias disobeyed and his wife disobeyed about selling the property before uh, the apostles, they fell dead. That's the result of disobedience. Let me ask you, you and I disobeyed. What does it cost us? Jesus. See, every step away from God that Jonah took, he went down. Think about it. He went down to Joppa, down to the ship, down into the inner parts of the ship, and finally down into the ocean. We know that. Down, down, down. See, if you're feeling down today, it's because maybe you're like Jonah. You're ignoring or rebelling against something the Lord has told you to do. I love you too. See, there's, there is true, 
That, that is true. All of us who refuse the cross. You know, when, when people say the cross, I used to say, man, I see the cross. When I first came to church, I didn't know what that term meant. We need to see the cross. So I would close my eyes and I'd kind of do this. And I'm hoping I would, when I open up, I'd see an image of the cross. I never saw an image. I just saw dots. And then someone, then I got a book and some other things, you know, The Cost of Discipleship with Bonhoeffer and all the, and I started reading these different books and I realized the cross represents a place where you come and you die and you allow Jesus to take over your life. You know, anybody that ever went to the cross and was crucified on it never came back except Jesus. Because when you went to the cross, everybody knew in that city you weren't coming back. You see, the most important thing is what a high price. See, in, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, y'all with me? Help me out. Say yes, amen, something. Bang your head against a chair. I mean, whatever. He said, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted out to their gods for help. How many know that anybody that's desperate, even if they don't know God, they're going to cry out for help when you're desperate? I remember the first Bible study I did is a new survey. I used to work for John Chance and Associates as a surveyor when I was young. And I'd gotten saved while I was working there. And this guy named Gene had actually got, he had just gotten saved. And I did my first Bible study with a guy named Buddy Ashe. He was the, the pilot for the company. He used to fly B-52 bombers in the Air Force. And him and I, he was kind of like my, my mentor. And we go, man, let's do this. Well, let's do a Bible study together. We just got saved. He actually trained me. And we didn't, I didn't know God was dealing with him when he was dealing with me. And when we both got saved, we started talking about it. And he said, let's just do a Bible study. So we just started a, a company Bible study. So we had guys coming. I remember this guy, Gene, comes, he's older than me. And I remember sharing with him about just giving your life to the Lord. And God had been dealing with him. And he told me a story how he had literally, he had gone out fishing with his brother-in-law. And they were going out on the Gulf of Mexico. And what happened, their boat began to take on water and they didn't have any life vests. So they're out there and the boat sank. And so they're just treading water. And how many know that if you were in that situation, you might call out for help from God? Any, any takers? Come on. Would you be like, oh, Lord, whatever. And that's what he said. I remember, Bubba, I remember being out in the Gulf, and I'm going, God, if you get me out of this mess, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And he said, the, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him. This is what he said. This is what he told me. He said, Gene, I've been dealing with you in your life. The only thing I want you to do is to get rid of those pornography magazines in the top of your closet that no one knows about but you and me. And he goes, Lord, I'll do it. He said, no sooner had he just finished that prayer, they see a shrimp boat coming down. The guy sees him. Before he even gets him out of the water, he's going, man. How did y'all get here? He says, I don't know how I got here, but I just tell you this. I never done passed through these waters, but the Lord must have sent me to help you out. I mean, there might be God calling you and talking to you. And I remember what Gene said, but you know, Bubba, when I got, when, when I rescued me, I didn't go do what God told me to do. And it tormented me. And he said, today I see that I need to die to myself. And I'm going to follow the Lord. And he became a real good friend of mine. And see, you know, here it is. It's God. He shouted out. And they, the crew o- threw out overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. You imagine, here these guys are freaking out. Jonah's sleeping. This storm was not a punishment for Job, but showed God's patience toward Jonah. I, I don't know why I said Job, but anyway. God sent a great wind into the sea. It's like a megaphone. Jonah! I remember I was camping out with a bunch of guys. We were up around Bellingham, Washington. We were driving up and on the coast. And we're all, we're camping out. We're all missionaries. And we're just laying out in the forest, made a fire and all this. We're just all sitting around the campfire. And we all get tired. We all fall asleep in our sleeping bags. And a rainstorm comes. And everybody gets into the van and they start counting heads. Hey, where's Bubba? 
Right, in the middle of this storm, I'm in my sleeping bag going. <laughs> now I'm going, he's sleeping in the rain, man. Go get him out. I mean, it's raining. Oh, I didn't know. God's stormy winds upon our lives are meant not to destroy us. But listen to me. But to develop us. This, it, when, you, you know, I, I can say this. As I've walked through the storm of my own personal life, can I tell you, even in my storm, God is right there. You understand me? You remember when the disciples were in the storm? Remember they cried, oh, God. And Jesus walked in and he said, is that you, Lord? Peter goes, can I come? Yeah. You know, there's times in our lives we just face dark times. We don't know why we're going through what we're going through. We don't know what the reason is. I just know this. As I battle cancer, listen to me. It's not what I have in my body. It's what God's been doing me to me in the storm. Can I just say this? I'm more keen and I'm more aware of his voice than I've ever been in my entire life. Serving God for 32 years. I hear his voice. I sense his presence. Haven't you seen a change? Come on, you can confess. Oh, Pastor, I don't want to go to friend. You can confess. Go on, let's go on. Verse 5. Y'all with me? So the captain went down after him. I like to see this as Jesus going down after us. Because Jesus is always the captain of the ship. And he says, how can you sleep at this time? He shouted. I love it. It's a funny story. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots. They start picking sticks. That's cool. And to see which one of them had offended the gods and caused a terrible storm. So, all right, whoever gets this longest stick, we know it's them. You imagine? They're just doing, they're just art. They were doing dice. I don't know. It said lots. It was, you know, so they were doing this. And look, this is kind of funny. I mean, it said, uh, uh, when they did this, the lots, I, they identified Jonah as the culprit. He got the long stick. And this is what he said. Why is this awful storm? Come on. They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What, what country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified. They heard this. And for he had already told them that he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. Can I just tell you something? There was a story of these guys, this crew, this ship in 1870, and it was, they were sailing off of Cape Horn. And, and what happened is they, uh, they, had, they, they decided to have a mutiny against their captain. And so what they did is they shot him in the head, and they threw him over the ship. And when they threw him over the ship, he landed on a, a, a piece of ice. And so what happened is, you know, he just on this ice shelf. And, and 40 years later, off the coast of Chile, an iceberg was spotted. And to keep the, the, the ships being able to have a safe place to travel through... These guys went out in this little boat to go blow up these icebergs so the ships could pass. And so while they're there, they discover this frozen body of a man in a layer of ice. And the body was identified as Frank Shaw, the sea captain that had disappeared. The mutineers who for 40 years thought they had gotten away with their crime. Imagine 40 years. We're hung in the gallows of London. It reminds me of that, that scripture. You know that? Be sure your sin will find you out in numbers. But remember this. You never know what iceberg is going to float by in your life. See, when God revealed the truth in the situation to the sailors, Jonah was unmasked. How many of you ever been unmasked? Come on. I remember one time I lied on the playground at MP Moss to this friend of mine, Shannon. And like, you know, I mean, when you're in fifth grade, I mean, friends are important. Come on, help me out. 
And I lied. I lied about, I don't know what I said. I don't want to lie. It was just a good lie. There's no good lies. I mean, there's no colors in lies either. And I remember just lying. And he called me out on my lie. And I was busted. You ever have it where you've been lied and you got busted? It's like you just got unclothed. It's like someone pulling the shower curtain and you're, ah! You know? And literally, I was unmasked, undressed. And I remember just the feeling that was. Like, ah. Here's Jonah. He gets unmasked. And see, he had to acknowledge his faith. He can't hide. You know, it reminds me of a guy that I used to go preaching with on the street. His name was Chico Gonzalez. And Chico and I, we used to do street preaching, okay, in inner cities. And Chico's favorite line goes, you can't hide from God. That was his line. Here's how he preached. That's how he started out. He said, I say. He was a Puerto Rican. He goes from New York. He was the tallest Puerto Rican I've ever seen, six foot five, all right? And I remember he goes, you can't hide from God. I said, are you listening? You can't hide from God. He would do all these variations. You can't hide from God. You can't. I remember one time we were doing the outreach. We, we thought, let's do something radical. Just stir some people up. So what we did is we, we went to Tacoma. That's where my wife's from. Washington, and they had this whole street full of drunkards, prostitutes, pimps, just people, drug people hanging out on the street. So we said, you know what we'll do? We're going to do something radical. We're going to stir them up. So what we did is we went out and we got a coffin. I'm not, I'm not lying. We got a coffin. You were there. We got a coffin and we walked around the entire city block. And we had people, they, they, they had laid, girls dressed in black with little veils over there going, He was so dear to me. And, you know, and I'm walking in the front and holding my Bible, dressed up in a suit, looking like a street preacher, you know. I'm just doing this. And, and then all the people, and man, people, literally, people on the street, they're going, oh, my God, what is it? Oh, they're seeing, the, it's like a funeral on their block. And I never forget, we stop. And we put the, we put the casket, and everybody, I mean, you imagine we have everybody's attention? I mean, somebody, everybody's like, man, what is it? And all of a sudden, I started preaching, you know, here lies Joe Black. He was a good man. He was a, but you know, and I just started sharing. And all of a sudden, we opened the lid. And man, everybody, like literally people going, you got to know. I mean, I'm, I wish I had on video, okay? I wish Zach was born then. <laughs> and then, and I'm not, look, I can be dramatic. I know that, but I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> just a little bit, but anyway. And I'm telling you, when they went, they had a guy, he was a drunk and he comes up there and he looks in the thing and he goes, ah! Ah! And everybody goes, ah! ah! What's going on? You know what we had inside the coffin? It was a mirror. It was a mirror. Because he said, without God, you're dead. We do talk of the town, baby. There's that dead coffin preacher. We might have to do that around here. I know what parking lot we can go to, right behind the subway. Anyway. Somebody do something, Sam? Okay, thank you, man. All right. You see, all right, where am I? Okay, let's go back. I got excited. Jonah chapter 1, verse 11 and 13. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea. You imagine? Just throw me in the sea, man. Jonah said, and it will come again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rolled even harder to get the ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. See, the problem with sin or our rebellion sometimes or people's rebellion is this. Innocent people get tossed around in our own storm. How many are talking about? You know, when I see, I'll just be speak, speak plainly. When I see dads that are just hooked on stuff and their wife goes through the storm with them. 
their children go through the storm because of a lifestyle that they chose. How many are you talking about? You know, maybe you walked in the storm of your family's life. Maybe your dad did stuff. He was abusive physically, sexually, whatever he did. And you were just tossing that storm with them. Or your mom just wasn't a person that cared. Not a lot of compassion. I don't know. I don't know where, where you're from. I don't know what, what happened in your life. But I can just say this. is that, You know what? Our families and our friends and our coworkers often pay the price of our own foolishness and our own rebellion sometimes. There is only one way to steal the storm. Jonah had to go overboard. Any person who is thrown out of the will of God, anybody that's out of the will of God is just a menace to people around them. I'm not talking about People just get miserable. How many, you know, how many you know it doesn't take much to get miserable? Just think about yourself a little bit. Get your eyes on yourself. Self. Come on. Look, we don't need the devil to talk to us. We got enough problems with our, in our own minds sometimes. Hello. I talk back to the devil every day. Because I do hear voices. I knew there was something wrong with you. I hear voices every day. Is that battle cancer? I've heard voices. And I mean, I've had people tell me, you shut those voices. One of the greatest things I've had to do, what I've done is I've shut people that are negative's voices out of my life. I don't want no one come to my hospital bed. Oh, Bubba, we hope you make it. No, I'm making it. I'm making it. I'm believing God for my miracle. I'm believing for God for greater things. And it's not for me. Yeah, I don't want any sympathy from you. I'll take your prayers. I'll take your faith. But I don't want your sympathy. Are you hearing me? Because I believe this, God, in the middle of our storms, God always wants to do something significant because people are watching. Hello? Instead of crawling up and getting depressed, instead of crawling up and, what's it? I'm done. You know, like Jonah, we need to be flung into the ocean of Calvary sometimes. And the blood of Jesus cover our lives. Sounds drastic. Flung into the arms of God. Who put the storm there to bring us closer to him? Fling me into his hands. Fling me. Am I making sense here? No amount of hard rowing on their part could do no amount of... They, they, whatever they did, it couldn't change any. Only one vital action is necessary for us. And just like them... The self-life has to be handed over to Jesus to die. To die. It means to die. The self-life. What does that mean? Okay, let's do a test. How many have ever lied? How many of you never lied? You raise your hand, you're a liar. How many of you have ever stolen anything? Come on, we're taking record. How many of you stole the safe from the church about a year ago? <laughs> now it's time to... No, we did have someone break in, into the church and stole the offering. Seriously. And if you're there, you can come see me after church. <laughs> How many ever cussed? I'm not saying this week. How many of you got angry? Like really fashayed. Come on. Like beyond fashe. Come on. How many of your veins popped out of your neck? How about you saw your wife or your husband's veins pop out of their neck this week at you? No, don't put your hand down. <laughs> the power that we don't have in ourselves is only in the power in the hands of God. And when we fling ourselves upon Him, He will help us in our weaknesses. Can I just tell you something? Every one of us are human in here. And you know what? All of us have flaws. How many know that some of us have junk in the trunk? All of us have flaws. And you know what those flaws are good for? Look at me. Here, let me. Those flaws are good to remind you that you need God. Sin is, a, is something you do on a daily basis, but iniquity is a habit that you've done continually. Are you hearing me? And God can forgive sin and He can break 
habits. Amen? He can break those habits. Maybe if you have a habit of getting angry, you get bothered. There's things that just mess, mess you up. Let me just say this. Repentance is the only gateway to the fullness of God's blessings. How many of you want God to bless you? You see, I don't serve... Look at me. Let, let me just make an advertisement. I don't serve God to get his blessings in my life. I serve God because he's worthy of my entire life. And if the blessings come, so be it. I remember when Trace and our missionaries, we said, one day we just want to be able to afford to be able to have people come to our house and entertain them. And if they're on the road, and just be able to bless them or be able to give a little more. Just because, you know, it'd be great to do that. And can I tell you something? There's a lot of people think that way, but when they get blessed and they get more, they don't do those things. How am I talking about? You see, this morning, you know, the crisis of identification with Jesus sometimes, we all face it. And here, let me just wrap it up. Is that okay? Then they cried out to the Lord, verse 14 to 16. Jonah's God, oh God, they pleaded, don't make us die <coughs> for this man's sin. Don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, they're repenting right now. They threw him in the ocean. They're going, don't kill us because of him. You have sent the storm upon him and for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him to the raging sea. And look what happens. The storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's power. And they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Verse 17. Let me just wrap it up. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish. We know it was a well. Many people, whatever. You can go eat it at Burger King. It's called the Whaler. Uh, to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Boy, it sounds like someone I know, Jesus. Three days, three nights. There was a resurrection. The fish did throw up. Jonah was in a tight spot, no doubt about it. Tight spots are interesting because they will either make us bitter or make us better. Come on, Miss Jean, preach with me. See, the boiling pot of water. This is what it does. You put a boiling pot of water on, it'll harden an egg, but also soften a potato. And that's how you make potato salad. <laughs> For all you that aren't Cajuns. Jonah will come out better in the end, not bitter, because his tight spot will bring him to the place that God always intended. There's a lot of people that want to be at places sometimes and be further with God. And let me just wrap it up. It's a great story I read this week. There was a guy from Eastern Europe. And it was at the turn of the century, at the early 1900s. And he was very poor, so he worked really hard. And as he worked really hard, he, he had a, fan, a wife and two children. And he said, I'm going to go to America. And I'm going to make us a, have a better life. He says, but, and he saved and he saved and he scrimped. And he had just enough for one ticket. And he told his wife and his family, he said, look, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go to America. I'm going to make a better life for us. I'm going to work. And when I get enough, I'm going to send you back over to America with me. So what he does, he purchases his ticket on the, on the ship, buys a third-class ticket. He goes and gets a wheel of cheese and some crackers. It's a 12-day journey. He's thinking, oh, this will last me. 12 days. So he's on the journey and, you know, he, he's just enjoying his journey. And he's like America. And every day he'd go and when he'd get a little hungry, he'd cut off a piece of that cheese off the wheel of cheese he had and ate those crackers. And a couple times he'd go by and he'd look inside the, the place where everybody was dining in the room. He looked through the porthole and he'd just like, wow. And he'd go back to his room and he'd eat his cheese and his crackers. And he said, man, if I only had a meal like that, wow, that'd be so awesome. So it's the last day. His crackers are stale. His cheese is gone. He had ate it the day before. They're pulling in. They see Ellis Island. 
And everybody, all the immigrants come out and they go, yes, America. They're all excited. They're all, you know, just pumped up. They're coming a new life, a new beginning, uh, you know. And, and, and here's this guy. He's standing next to the steward, one of the stewards of the ship. And he said, sir, he said, can I ask you a question? He goes, sure, what is it? He goes, did we offend you? He goes, why, no, you did not offend me. How could you offend me? He said, every day, for every time we ate, we had a place. Did I hit something? Go, whatever. It's the Lord, all right, the music. Every day, we set a place for you at the table. He goes, no, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, you've heard of cruise control? Anyway. Just. And he goes, what do you mean? He said, I had a third class ticket. He goes, no, no, even if you have a third class ticket, every meal, is per, there's three meals provided for you every day. And you know what? Look at me. Let me see the whites of your eyes. Of course, you know, the incredible thing is he didn't know it until it was too late. The opportunity for blessings, provision on his journey had been there, but he forever missed it. See, this morning, I really believe the Spirit of God is speaking to you. There's opportunities that you can walk in the life of freedom of blessings, of power in your life that you can walk with God. You let for somebody else. No, it's for you. God's prepared a place It's called heaven. And since he's left here, he's been preparing a place just for you. He's got a name tag at his table in the Cajun section. Come on. He's got corn makshu. He's got potato salad. Come on. With a little slappy mama on it. I don't know what kind of meat. He's got crawfish. He's got crabs. He's got, you know, shrimp. I got to have shrimp. Gulf shrimp. Come on. Got Elsie milk, Borden's milk. All right there. For you. All he's waiting for you to, to allow you allow him to come into your heart and your life. And then one day you can sit at that table and put your feet under that table. And you can break bread with Jesus. See, I don't want you to wait for that day. You can start today. Amen? Look, I don't want to barely make it to heaven. How about you? Come on. I mean, one of my teeth, one day, one of my teeth, one of my, my son's teachers one day came to him and says, says, Matt, she goes, how's your teeth? He goes, what do you mean? She says, well, you passed my class by the skin of your teeth. Listen to me. God loves you. And sometimes we try to live in a third class Christian thought life. That's just for someone special. That's for that guy. That's for him. You fill in the blank. Can I tell you something? No, that's for you. God's got great things for you. Look at your neighbor and tell him this. God's got great things for you. He's got great things. He's got great things. But here's the thing. You got to face whatever you got to face. Whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I really don't care. Honestly. I've had people come to me and say, you know, Pastor Bubba, I can't tell you what I've done because, you know, I've even... And then, they, you know, they tell me later and I said, look, I've told people this. I'm going to tell you that I don't think less of you now. I think more of you. 
Because you came to that point where you go, hey, I know where I am. I know what I need to change. And I can't do this by myself. And I'm crying out for God's help. I prayed for different people this week. Prayed for a young man that's just been demonized. He's telling me stuff that's going on in his life and all this. And I just looked at him. The Lord gave me a word before I got there. He said, Pastor Bubba, it's real. I can show you on video. I said, I believe you. You don't have to convince me. I know the devil's real. Okay? I don't need to see a video. But I asked him this. This is what the Lord told me to ask. What have you been inviting into your life? What have you tolerated? What are you allowing? You've heard me say it. It's like my African friend came one time and he goes, Your devil, he loves to put a finger in your mouth. Play with your tongue. Play. Then if he gets one, he puts two, then three. And if you don't do something, he will put the hand in your mouth. And he will take you wherever he wants you to, wherever he wants to take you to go. He said the problem with American Christians, they have no teeth to bite that devil's hand right off. And you know the reality is, look, look at me, come here. Ladies, you can bite your husband's head off maybe sometime. Men, you can get fashed at your wife. But when's the last time you just got mad of just being sick and tired of being sick and tired of the same old stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Haven't you been just so miserable you talk to yourself? That's it. I can't sit. You ever had that? We have one of those episodes like you hit your finger, you know, with a hammer. Bang! Jesus! Sometimes you just get so, I mean, you ever get frustrated with something? Oh, goodness. Why am I like this? God help me. Why live in torment? Because see, this is what the devil wants. Listen to me. He wants to, he wants to shame you and blame you for everything. And not only does he want to shame you and blame you, but he wants you to get your eyes on other people and blame them for what they did to you. Let me make a confession to you. Everybody in this house this morning has been hurt by somebody. Get over it. And give it to God. I don't know what they said. I don't know what they did. Look, I've been in those places where I was taken advantage of. I was abused in different ways. But listen, if God can change someone like me, there's a whole lot of hope for you, honey. Amen? Father, this morning, I thank you that I thank you for your word. I thank you for not just a story, but a dealing. Just like it wasn't so much the story of Jonah, but it was the dealing of his heart. Lord, let us get up and go in the right direction, the direction of your voice. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would open our ears as Jesus said to hear what the Spirit of God is speaking to us as individuals. That we would not harden our heart. Let us not do self-examination. Let us do, Lord, let you examine us. God, we can find fault with ourselves, but Lord, we're asking that you you examine our heart. And Lord, if there be anything that would grieve you, there be anything that would keep you from us walking in the fullness of knowing you and the blessings and the joy of serving you. Lord, anything that would take us away from God, just God with the not having joy, not having the power to overcome. God, take it away. Take it away. Some of you this morning, you're like in the valley of decision. Should I, should I trust God? Pastor Robert, you don't know. I've, I've walked through this thing before. I've confessed. I've 
forsaken. I've repented. I've asked. Listen, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I need the grace of God just like every one of us. I'm not, a, I'm not some special thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm just a man that loves God. And I want to please him. I'm a Christian first. Are you hearing me? And just the responsibility to have is just being a pastor. But your greatest responsibility is to learn to hear the voice of Jesus. How do you get that? The Holy Spirit. See, the Bible says, when Jesus said this, let me just give you a quick lesson. Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the teacher, the helper, the guide to help you. Listen to me. The most important thing you can do is hear the voice of God and obey it. The most rebellious thing you can do is not commit adultery and not murder. It's to hear the voice of God and do nothing about it. Are you hearing me? See, Jonah heard, but he walked away. This morning, don't walk away from God and his destiny and his purpose in your life. I just plead with you to surrender to him and let him have his way in your heart. Amen? How many say, Pastor, I need to hear this message this morning. Come on. It's not about, listen, it's not about a message. Listen to me. It's about the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of God coming and breaking all those barriers in our hearts. Those things that we try to put up, those walls, and just saying, God, break every wall, break every chain, break everything in my life. If you're here this morning, say, Pastor Bubba, that word spoke to me, and I just want you to pray for me because there's some things that I've got to face, and I'm believing God to help me to overcome. And it's, I'm not, I just want you to, if that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. That's me, Pastor Bubba. Pray for me. Come on, just raise it up. I'm not going to call you up this morning. I don't, think, I don't feel like that's what I need to do this morning. I just, wherever you're at, come on, there's more. Come on, raise it up. Don't, don't give it a half salute. Give it up so I can see. All right? Hey, Father, you see these hands. And these hands represent surrender. Surrender to you. Surrender, God, those things that have kept them. And God, they fling them to you. They fling themselves into your very arms of love and care, compassion, forgiveness, power, grace. Lord, you're not here to bring judgment. You're here to bring freedom and relief and you said the joy of the Lord would be our strength and so Father this morning I pray that as people surrender and they give over that they would sense the joy of Jesus and your power and your grace come right now Holy Spirit bring freedom bring your power Lord bring God your love and your acceptance into their lives this morning I pray it in Jesus mighty name